to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. I'm talking with Michael Walk today about the process behind launching a new entity, Bean Ninjas Money Mindset, which is related to Bean Ninjas, but offers slightly different services. Our core Bean Ninjas business provides bookkeeping and financial reporting services. And Bean Ninjas Money Mindset, there's there will be a suite of products. And the first is Profit First Consulting and Coaching. And it's been a really interesting journey for Michael and I in in figuring out how we're going to to structure this, how we're going to work together. Michael's been an accountant with Beanages since 2017, and he's been in a range of different roles, actually. He's done sales, managed our podcasts for a while, he's been involved in video production, so really seen a number of different aspects of the business. I think this particular episode will be interesting for business owners who are looking at creating a related entity and and giving a team member, or, or it may not be a team member, but it's, it's someone um, either inside or outside of the business, but a partner, an equity stake in that business to be the operator in that business. So if you're interested in setting up something new, um, leveraging your existing brand and, and network, then this episode, I think you would our experiences that we're sharing would be relevant and there might be something you can learn there. And then on the flip side of that, if you're an employee or a team member and you're looking at, well, you'd like to own a business one day or at least have a slice of the equity, then how could you frame things with your employer to create that situation? And we actually had a previous episode with Kate Lynch who has done something similar where she was the general manager of a bigger company and also has split off a side, ent- side entity which he has an equity stake in. And we'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. And I think if you're interested in, in doing a deal like this from either perspective or it's just something that you're interested in learning more about, then you might find this episode interesting. Hey, Michael, great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks, Mel. Good to be here. So today we're, we're talking about the launch of Bean Ninja's Money Mindset, which is a spin-off entity from the main Bean Ninja's business, which provide bookkeeping and financial reporting services. And the genesis behind the new entity and Profit First Consulting really evolved over a period of two years. So I want to go back a little bit in time and first look at why you joined Beanages and the story behind that. And then throughout the episode, we'll go through how we came to do this deal and then what Beanages' money mindset has looked like in the first month of operations. How does that sound? That sounds great. A lot of, lot of, lot of material to cover here. <laughs> yeah. So how, tell the audience a little bit about how you came to come across Beanages and originally join the team. Yeah, it was it was in early 2017. I was flicking through my chartered accountants magazine called Acuity, and I read an article, an interview with you in it, and um, it, it 
kind of turned a lot of cogs in my head that were I didn't know were there. And a, a lot of what you were saying um, I really connected with and, and made a lot of sense to me. I, I haven't read the article in a long time, but it, it was the remote-based um, business. It was your attitude to to work and also it also helped that you were a surfer as well. That probably <laughs> <laughs> perked my interest as well because I, I thought, you know, that was that would be a nice business to work for. Um, and at the time I was working with a, with a lovely bunch of people but in a more corporate office and a more structured office. And at that time I, I was looking for a little bit more freedom um, in my life, in my schedule, um, but still leveraging obviously my, my accounting background and experience. So I think I back then I just I found your number and gave you a call on the mobile or emailed you and then we had a chat on the phone and um you know from there I think I joined like as a part-time team member in March a few months later after a few back and forths and it was a bit of a trial period and slowly I met each of the team on calls and then I think it was like 6 months after that in October 2017 I I came on full-time and what I found interesting about the initial contact, so number one, I was intrigued that someone had, had reached out to me um, to express interest in a role and we weren't actually hiring for an accountant at Michael's level at the time. So I found that interesting. And then also you raised equity pretty early on. So part of our early conversations through the interview process before you joined Beamages were involved you expressing where you wanted to be in the future in five or ten years and that you were interested in owning part of a business. And I was it was good to have those conversations up front that I had respect for you, bringing, up, bringing that up from the beginning and being clear about what you wanted. And was there anything in particular that made you interested in owning part of a business? What, what were you, what, if you can remember, what was your thought process back then? Yeah, no, I do. I remember where I was as well because I was out sneaking out on a, a lunch break at work with my employer at the time, and I was walking along the finger wharves in Sydney, um, up, down by the water. Like I, I can remember the situation when we were chatting, and I, I think it was really important to me at that time, especially coming from a, a corporate world into the the smaller business world, that I, I wanted to have that sense of ownership um, to, to give me the motivation. But, but also to feel really invested and, and part of a business. Um, obviously, being an equity owner has a lot of advantages, but it's also uh, you've got more risk as well. So it, it's, it was about expressing the fact that I wanted to have some skin in the game and help, help grow something, which was, which was really important to me. And so you came on board at Beanages and it was initially part-time and then came on full-time. And our original intention then was that you would eventually lead a portfolio in within the bookkeeping business. So you would be running a team of staff and a portfolio of bookkeeping clients. And in the early days, that was our plan around how you could have an equity stake. And along the way, when we were, were having these conversations, and, and as I said, this was over a period of a couple of years that we were exploring this and, and trying to figure out how, what exactly this would look like. Um, and at some point along the way, we realised, or you realised, that that wasn't exactly what you were after in terms of the type of business that you wanted to run. So could you talk a little bit more about that and your thought process behind that? Yeah, it was, it was a big one and it only happened along the journey. 
because you know at the start I was learning I was new to zero um, I was new to bookkeeping I'd done obviously bigger more management financial reporting in big corporations and stuff like that so it was a whole different level so it was a lot for me to learn in the first couple of years just to, to get used to the small business environment so that was a really steep learning curve but an awesome one um, and then from there once I'd kind of mastered those skills and spent a lot of time with our clients um, and, and kind of got to the point where it was what what is the next step going to be it wasn't until we were mapping out the cash flows of how it would look and and you know I was working out well what how many people need to be in the portfolio what what does how many team members are going to be there and and looking at that split and trying to like imagine day to day what that looks like for me um, that it started to crystallize that maybe that wasn't where I felt I was best suited um, and and it, it only happened as we were doing these discussions which which I guess maybe sort of listener sounds ridiculous because I should have imagined it to begin with but a lot of it for me when I was first doing it I, was, I loved working with our clients like I liked my contact with helping people and, and getting that feeling that I was helping a small business grow and, and thrive. And, and that contact with the clients was actually what brought me a lot of energy. And then I realized that when I was imagining that the next level where basically I would be managing a team of, of bookkeepers and helping manage them and dealing with the, the those different kind of management style problem, um, I realized that that wasn't going to make me as excited and that what I loved was working with <laughs> with our clients and help, helping them grow that business. So it, it took me a while to work that out, <clears throat> which then led, I guess, into this new entity. But, yeah, it was definitely a process. And I think that thought process is really interesting and important for anyone else that's thinking about running a business or buying a stake in a business to imagine to run the numbers, first of all, and, and us doing that cash flow forecast and looking at, well, how many clients would we need? What would that look like from a team perspective? That was all really helpful to have these conversations. And when you're forecasting, they're never it's never going to be perfect, but it really helped to guide these conversations. But also, as well as forecasting, I think it's important to, to the thought process that Michael went through. What does that look like for you day to day? When will you be working? Who who will you be working with? What what brings energy? So yeah. I think that was, a, yeah, really good thought process. And then we went through an interesting patch going from there. I I could see the potential in you to run a business, and I wanted to find a way that you could continue working at Bean Ninjas, but. It, initially it was a bit of a curveball because the only business that we had was bookkeeping. So I, there wasn't a, really a lot else to to offer in terms of something that could involve an equity stake. And this next phase, was it took us a number of months and, and quite a lot of conversations to, fi- to really figure out, well, what's next? How do we actually do something together? And it would be interesting to hear from from your perspective, what kind of things you were thinking about in figuring out, well, well, if running a bookkeeping business isn't the right kind of business, what is? Yeah, the million-dollar question. <laughs> um, well, I, <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to leverage my skills and experiences over my career uh, and still leverage that knowledge that I've built up, seeing so many different businesses over so many years, both big and small, all different industries. I, th- I felt like I had a real wealth of knowledge there that I'd be throwing away if I – if I tried to change tack 
completely and I, and I still in, I love working and understanding businesses and, and seeing how they operate and, and then also trying to make them better. So I, I wanted to leverage that and I guess going back, a, another point to working out for people if they want to buy a business or run a business, you've got to, you've got to analyse does your skill set and what brings you energy, like the, the things that really make you shine, is that what you're going to be doing day to day? Because the idea of, you know, an owner or a CEO, you've got to look at what are your day-to-day responsibilities and do, do your skills line up with that? So it's about finding um, the right the right little section the way you can thrive. And that I guess I was mulling over what I loved about what I was doing at Being Ninjas already and then where I thought I could grow into. And that's that's kind of – but I also explored other options, you know, in all honesty. I was, I was looking out in the corporate world and saying, look, do I jump back in to into that world you know it's a more it's a more secure all all the benefits of of corporate life which there are many you know it's a more secure employment um you're with a team obviously and and that kind of stuff I, I looked into that world but eventually I came back to realizing that there was there was still so many things in in the bee ninjas world that I loved but it was just about working out what what we could roll out or what I could move into that would Combine my skills and experiences with my strengths, um, but also still help people in our Bean Ninjas community. And so that's where I started looking at, you know, I was inspired by people like the Barefoot Investor, Scott Pape. I really loved his honesty and I loved his passion for helping small businesses. Um, and, and then I was, you know, exploring personal finance kind of ideas about how I, how I could try and help small businesses with this. Because um, a big step of moving from, the corporate world into being ninjas to begin with was that like I had mates with small businesses and they're like, oh, you're an accountant. Can you give us some help with this? And quite often I'd have to say, oh, I look, I do, I do big corporate accounting. Like I don't have a lot of wealth to draw on for, for small business challenges. And I was like, you know what? Like, what, am I really useful in society? Like if I can't help my mates, <laughs> if I can't help my, my mates and I'm an accountant with all this stuff, like what am I really doing? So it was also born of a, a desire to be useful to my immediate community, not to an American multinational that funnels their profits back into that that country. Like I wanted to be able to help people in my community and and see those things grow. So that's that was kind of the motivation and the passion for it is to to see people on my level in our world grow awesome businesses. And so that's where the idea of coaching came in and and leveraging my wealth of knowledge, but also um, adding value to people's businesses. So not moving beyond compliance and moving into the value add space where we, we help give business owners the tools and skills and templates and mindset to help their small businesses thrive. Because, you know, I, I was already on a lot of sales calls as part of my current job. So I could hear the challenges of people. And our, our original product offering was, was answering a hell of a lot of that. But I felt like there was there was more to give, and that's I guess the genesis of why we've rolled out being ninjas money mindset, and also you know the first product lines, which is the the profit first consulting, and then obviously the coaching on top of that as well. Yeah, and I think it was it was really important to take the time to do all of that thinking and figuring it out. And and I'm not the most patient pers- person. In fact, 
people that know me will know I'm actually quite, <laughs> quite impatient. And, and if someone says something's going to take two weeks, then, then I then I want to investigate. Well, why why can't it happen in one day? Yeah, I did test your patience. I know that. I remember I was in Raglan during this negotiation, and, and we had a call. And you're like, okay, same time next week. I was like, oh, well, okay, right. I've got to have to come up with some answers in a week now. Uh, but thanks for your, for your patience with that. I appreciate you. I was, you know, you, I was walking through the weeds, you know, a foggy situation trying to work out what the end goal was, but it wasn't clear. So it's it's tough because you have to answer those big questions like what's your purpose? What do you want to do with your life? Where are you going to be useful? What's going to make you satisfied? Um, so it's it's a whole bunch of stuff that like it's, they're tricky questions. And, I mean, everyone in life has to answer this kind of stuff. So it's it's not easy. You're right. And my advice here is I knew I had to be patient because you can't answer these life questions in, in two days. You can you might be able to build a financial forecast in a couple of days or a week and, and tweak it. But some of these life questions, they need the time to, to, you know, to think things through. And so that was something I found challenging during this process, but I thought it was really important. And that's advice I'd give to anyone else in this situation is you can't rush this kind of deal because it needs to be the right fit. There's no point in um, doing building some kind of new business or having an equity stake with someone if you haven't thought through whether you're going to be aligned now and it's the right fit for them and the right fit for you. So as much as I wanted to rush this through and, and have it done really quickly um, and as much as I found it difficult to, to be patient and for us to go through this process together, I'm really glad that we did and then that would be my advice for anyone else trying to do something similar is just to give space and time even if inside you want answers now sometimes you can't get them and you have to just give people space yeah I appreciate you doing that it was it was helpful well it's it worked out well for both of us I think if I had brushed it then we yeah we might not have got to where we are now so next I wanted to just to share some more perspective from what is my thought process around being a business owner and having a brand, so we already have the Bean Ninjas brand, and then why it would make sense but also what some of the risks would be in doing something like this where we've got a related business. And part of my inspiration was this from for this was reading a book by Dan Andrews called Before the Exit. And the premise of that book is all about um, well, factors you should consider before you sell a business. And, and it's not that we're thinking about um, selling beanages. It's more that as business owners, we should always be aware of how to optimize the value of your business. And one of the sections in this book was was looking at, well, how can you leverage your existing assets? So instead of selling a business, what about leveraging what you already have and your network, brand, assets? And so for me, I was interested in exploring that. And so creating a, a related business is one way of achieving that. But I also had some concerns, you know, you hear about staying focused, doing the one thing. And so I was worried, would I be losing focus if I did a, help to run a related business like this? And that's something that I, I had to be conscious of because Profit First Consulting is a little bit, it's very related to what we do with our bookkeeping services, but it's not exactly the same. I was also worried about spending a whole lot of time on the deal, especially if it didn't go through because then, you know, the benefit of that is zero. Uh, and, but then the other side of that was I was worried about losing a key team member who'd had a whole lot of potential and, and that's why I thought it was worth it spending the time on this 
And the way that I've addressed the split focus is really that Michael's running the profit first business. So yes, I'm involved, especially in the early stages, but I'm I'm clear about not spending 40 hours a week on that because obviously now there's there's multiple businesses that we're running. So I thought it would also be interesting to talk through how we structured the deal. And again, this took some time. So first of all, we had to figure out what the, the right fit was in terms of business model and, and what we were selling for Michael's skill set. But then we also needed to figure out, well, how do we actually structure the deal between the two of us? So, Michael, did you want to explain how we've structured the, the deal in terms of us creating a new entity that's outside of Bean Ninjas? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's relatively simple. It's just setting up a different entity and we've both taken a stake in the new one. So we both have skin in the game, which is kind of what I wanted. And that's, um, that's for me, really helped with my motivation and my um, my focus as well, you know, to, to feel like I've, I've got what I was trying to get over two years ago now so it's nice to to have that locked in and then I'm I'm just taking a um a pretty modest salary to begin obviously we're trying to get the business off the ground so I'm still paying myself a wage but obviously a a pretty low one to begin and I'm an the the sole employee of this company and um you know we've got a cash runway to get us through probably till six months and and that's probably where the the crunch time will come in. So I've got a little bit of runway to get my hustle on and, and try and get this off the ground. Yeah, great. And, and we've talked a little bit about how the how we figured it out and the negotiation for so going from uh, figuring out what the business was and then I think it was about October last year, then we started to dive into the detail in terms of getting the contracts, the shareholder agreement, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, organized. So I think it took us about three months to get all of that locked in, ready for a, a 1st of January 2020 start. Is there any, do you have any tips or just insights from your perspective of, of finalizing that arrangement if someone else was looking to, to do something similar? Uh, I, I found it really useful going through all of the scenarios with you during the contract negotiations, not just the good ones, but the bad. And those are weird, sticky situations to have that you normally avoid. But I'm glad we've got a relationship where we both could be honest and bring these to the table because maybe a lot of businesses do fail. And, you know, the whole point of this entity is to stop businesses doing failing, but you need to, you need to at the start, also imagine what happens if it does go wrong. And so not all of that was in the shareholder agreement or the, or the legal contracts, but it was it was a conversation with you and me going, what what happens if X Y Z happens? And, and we we talked through those scenarios to make sure we'd explored all of the all of the area and not just focused on this is great when we're millionaires. How much do we both get? It, it was <laughs> having a clear understanding of of that. I, I found really good because it was not only obviously realistic, but it also brought up questions that we wouldn't normally talk about. And and I guess it's a bit like, you know, parenting when you're having, I'm sure you can relate to this when you have a new kid. There's a whole bunch of decisions you need to make about this kid that you didn't think about before. And if a business goes wrong, there's a whole bunch of conversations you need to have that you, you didn't think you would before. So it's, um, yeah, I, I found it really good to explore both the good and bad and explore all the options. 
to make sure that you're both on the same page as to the various ways it could play out. And obviously, you're, you're aiming for the best, and then that's where we're at. that's where we're moving. But I found that useful. And I'll add a couple of extra comments on that. I think the process of drafting contracts and going through all of those details together is really good. At, yeah, just following on from what you were talking about, the benefit of talking about all of those, talking through different situations and and discussing things that might make you a little bit uncomfortable, but it's good to have those conversations early. And part of my broader approach to to contracts and, and working with people in things like shareholder or, or having equity stakes together is thinking about, well, could I, do I think I could solve problems with this person? Because our contracts aren't going to cover every single situation. And so we're going to need to be able to have, when problems arise, be able to talk through it. And so to me, it's much more important to know that I've got the, that, those kind of relationships than having every single scenario documented in the contract. And so that's something that I felt with you, Michael, that if situations come up that we haven't thought about, even though we have tried to talk through most scenarios, that we'll be able to come to, to some kind of fair arrangement and talk through things in a reasonable way. And, and that's, I felt, similar with Simon and with Wayne, who you might have heard me mention on the podcast previously. They, they've both been on the, the podcast previously who, who also are involved with yeah. the images. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that, and that speaks to the bigger point of choosing who you get into into an equity arrangement with, you know, and are they the right business partner? And, you know, I know you've covered that a lot with um with, with Wayne's deal and also Simon, but it's, I guess, that that flags a whole bunch of stuff, you know, if you if you can't have those conversations and, and have that that handshake deal kind of feeling, then, you know, is it the right person to begin with, I guess? Yeah, yeah, spot on. So I wonder if you could next talk through, we, so we, the contracts were signed and we we're ready to kick everything off 1st of January. So what's it look like after that? Were there any kind of um, transition steps in, in getting going? Was what did what needed to happen? What what have you been working on um, after we we got everything locked in? Yeah, once the contracts were signed, I guess it was it was going through all of that um, business setup stuff. So the palaver of opening up all our new business <laughs> bank accounts. I've been on the phone way too much with banks, um, and and you know registering it with ASIC and, and doing all that kind of basic nuts and bolts of of starting a business. So balancing those demands. Along with obviously um, the profit first component, which which is getting up to speed with developing our profit first offering, um, working out what our price points are going to be, and also how the coaching packages are looking. So developing not only the, the business's internal finances, which takes a bit of time, but also then working out what we're taking to market and and how that fits in with the current Beatinges offerings, because um, it's not just beginning a new one. I'm I'm kind of I'm growing next to the, the bigger Bean Ninjas um, brand, so it's it's working out how how we look from that perspective, um, and then also beginning the process of, of of doing that direct outreach, you know, and, and and actually getting out there a bit more, which is which is the, been a challenge for me because I've been normally just working in the business and taking sales calls, but the leads have been coming through, you know, our normal avenues. So it's been good for me because it's also made me face some fears about putting myself out there and, you know, having to post a little bit more on LinkedIn and do videos. And so it's good because it's pushed me in a whole bunch of areas outside my comfort zone because that's how you 
people get to know you and that's how um, people might want to work with us. So, yeah, it's been kind of a few different spinning plates and just trying to keep them all going, moving moving ahead in the right direction. And I know back from the early years in Beanages, the, the first month and first year in business especially, it can be overwhelming because there's so many areas where you could spend time, so many things to do. Um, do you have any advice for other people in their first you know, couple of months or six months of business around where to spend time? First advice is to have a good mentor. So it's been great working with you, Meryl. That you well said, Michael, well said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but point, point my nose in the right direction when it might be getting off track. Um, I, I, I read an awesome book called Atomic Habits recently and he talks about there's there's the actual action of doing work and then there's the peripheral stuff that feels like work but you're not moving the needle in any way. And so it's making sure you address the things that are moving the needle. And quite often internally, you know what those are, but because you're scared a little bit, you distract yourself with the other work. (laughs) So for me, an obvious one is the direct outreach. It's hitting up my friends and family and mates and people on LinkedIn saying, hey, I've got a new business. I'm offering this. I want to tell you about it And, and putting yourself out there a bit more. So that's been probably the big one for me. But it obviously d- depends on, on the business and I think it's getting your first sale and, and doing that and speaking to your customer, working out what they want. Um, and I guess for me it's a little bit different because I'm not selling a product. I'm not, I'm not in, in e-com. Mine is about working out what our customers need and making sure that my products are, are suiting that, you know. So it's, it's about just hitting the ground running but also building a, a stable platform to begin with. So I've been very mindful of making sure that I'm trying to set up processes or document the processes as the business develops and we do um, different situations with with the view that, you know, eventually hopefully other people will come on board and help and there's a bit of structure to what I'm doing. Yeah, great great advice there. And I'll just add a couple of closing, closing thoughts because this is I'm in a new role too with, with this business. Previously, I've been on the ground and, and in the early days of Beanages, it was me that was talking to customers and figuring out pricing and, and do, doing a lot of those things. And so I'm really enjoying being in this different role where Michael's making a lot of those decisions and I'm providing input and advice, but it's really nice seeing you, Michael, you know, challenge yourself and do things like these LinkedIn videos and and. and yeah, get out a little bit out of your comfort zone and to see the progress. You know, we're, we're only, it's only the middle of February when we're recording this. So we've been going for about six weeks and already to see the progress um, that's being made, it, yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, really, really enjoying the process and, and it's been fun actually chatting with you and sharing this story as well. Was there anything else you wanted to add, any closing thoughts before we wrap up the this episode? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, I'm excited and, and hopefully we look back on this podcast. Right. Well, thanks so much for joining us again on another episode, Michael. And we have a belated episode to this, which dives into all of the details about Profit First, the benefits, how you implement it, and also a number of the challenges you can face when, when trying to implement it. So we've got a link to that in the show notes. So make sure to check out that episode as well if you're interested in learning more about Profit First. Do you wanting to improve cash flow or get started with Profit First in your business? Well, we've got a resource that might help you. 
It's called a Profit First Kickstarter Kit and it includes two chapters of the popular Profit First book by Mike McCallowitz and it also has a template that will help you to make your Profit First allocations. Just head over to beanninjas.com forward slash Profit Kit. Profit Kit is all one word and you'll be able to access it there for free.